As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Some people just want to get out there. They don't want to learn first. Everybody should sit down, practice that book, study that book, learn that book. Those guys driving straight down the bike lane. Everybody want a bass on. That's like switching lanes and stuff. The lane you're supposed to be in on your right. He is all over the place. It's stupidity. Let's educate young people earlier. So if we can get back to a point where your driver's license means something. I want all students to graduate with a diploma in one hand and a driver's license in the other. 18,000 driving age teens in Milwaukee County have a driver's license, but more than twice that number do not. And while no one knows quite how many are actually driving, it's clear a significant number are, with no education, no training, and no legal right to be on the road. Today on Open Record, why community leaders say driver education is critical to reducing reckless driving in Milwaukee, and how funding cuts and COVID-19 are standing in the way. From the Fox 6 Studios, this is Open Record. I'm Brian Polson here with my colleague, Amanda St. Hilaire. Hi, Amanda. Hi, Brian. Today is Thursday, October 22nd. We have about two weeks until the city of Milwaukee finalizes its budget for 2021. Three months ago, the city's Reckless Driving Task Force recommended an increase in funding for driver education. So, Brian, the big question right now, are city leaders putting their money where their mouths are? Well, so they, in that reckless driving task force final report we've reported several times now that there were a long list of recommendations just one of them was an increase in funding for driver education but we've talked to a lot of different people who said that's really one of the key pieces so an increase in funding obviously is what we were looking to see here it's budget season are they going to stand behind that this has been a tough year financially for the city for a lot of communities and when you look at what's in the budget in fact not only is it not an increase there's a reduction and there wasn't much to begin with. The city of Milwaukee for the past few years has been uh, kicking in $50,000 for a program of driver education, after school driver's ed in Milwaukee public schools. And even that paltry $50,000 is now going away, at least as things stand right now. And again, we're still a couple of minutes away, or a couple of weeks away, that is, from the finalization of the budget. But I am told that number has now, even since our story aired on this, that number has been withdrawn. And it looks like the 50000 that was there last year is out. So at first it looked like it was going to be a number that stayed the same and now you're being Correct. told it could disappear altogether? Could disappear altogether and it's probably one of many uh, small uh, bits of funding for various programs that are disappearing because the budget is, uh, it's a tough one this year because of COVID. But it, this is just, you know, the latest hit to driver's ed. If you go back 20 years ago, a lot of people who've grown up in, in the Milwaukee area recall when driver's ed was part of the regular school day. And it used to be something that was one of the classes you took and they have the simulators and you'd learn all about how to operate a vehicle, learn about the rules of the road, 
the Wisconsin Motorist Handbook, and so on. It was a class just like math and home ec and whatever else there was. I don't know how many schools do home ec anymore, but, but driver's ed was eliminated around the year 2000 in Milwaukee public schools uh, due to budget cuts. In, in many of the schools it was taken that year, and a few years later, the state altogether stopped reimbursing schools for, uh, for providing driver's ed um, to students as part of the school day. There was a $100 per student stipend that the, uh, the state used to kick in, and that went away in 2003. And what ultimately happened was the requirement that young drivers take driver's ed before they can get a license didn't go away. It just became a private system. And so for the last you know 17 to 20 years, the, the you know, issue of driver education in the state has largely been one that's provided through private companies, companies like Just Drive or companies like Arcade Driving School and things like that. And that means people have to pay out of pocket to get driver education, obviously for those who have a difficult time paying their bills as it is, coughing up 300 or more dollars for a driver education course can be challenging if not impossible. So what you end up with is a lot of young people in, in homes where finances are tight who just don't get the proper education behind the wheel and never learn the, uh, the appropriate rules of the road, at least not in the way they're supposed to. And you dug up some numbers that we talked about a little bit at the beginning of this episode, but I want to dive into them more because I, I think what a lot of people don't realize when we do these stories is those facts, those numbers that we get that maybe are two, three, or four sentences total in a story can take a long time to, to go through and to compile. Yeah, in this case, this is a number that, you know, oftentimes we might quote a stat that we just get spoon-fed by a government agency or, or an organization and you don't think much of it. In this case, the number that I, I talked about at the top was about 18,000 drivers who are licensed of driving, I should say 18,000 driving age teens. So between the ages of 15 and 19 who are licensed in the state of Wisconsin. That number it was something I actually got from the Wisconsin Department of Transportation by requesting a, and this is Milwaukee County only, I had to request a county by county uh, uh, table of data that showed how many licensed drivers there are at the age of 15, 16, 17, 18. Now, there are no fully licensed drivers at 15 because at 15 and a half, you can get a permit. And you've got to have that permit for six months before you can get your full license. So it technically begins at 16, but we wanted to cover that full range and you'll understand why in a moment. So 15 to 19, and we found out how many licensed drivers there are. Now, in Milwaukee County, that number 18,000 doesn't really mean much in isolation. Like, what does that represent? Is that a lot? Is that not a lot? I don't know. So what I really wanted to know, and this is the number that's hardest to find, is how many driving age teens are there in Milwaukee County, and how does that compare to other counties? So if you look at the number of people who are age 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, in Milwaukee County specifically, that's something I had to get from the U.S. Census, but the census doesn't publish the results county by county for individual ages. The closest I could get was an age range, and 15 to 19 was that age range. So to really get an idea of how many driving age teens, I'd like to tell you how many 16 to 19 year olds there are, I can't. The, the U.S. Census simply doesn't release that data at that level. But 15 to 19 year olds in Milwaukee County, there are roughly 60,000 of them. Uh, and I could pull up my table and find the exact number, but I can tell you it's roughly 60,000. 18,000 have licenses between the ages of 16 and 19. 60,000 people age 15 to 19 
exist in the county. That means something like 40 to 42,000 driving age teens in Milwaukee County don't have driver's licenses. And that took, as you said, several days to get all of that data, to analyze it, to put it together. But then you're left with that question. So 40,000 don't have licenses. How many of those 40,000 are driving? And that we don't know. Nobody knows. There's no way to know that. Th there's really no, there's nowhere you can go to measure that. What you can see is the results of it. Because we've done story after story after story in these fatal crashes in the city of Milwaukee where the driver who was the culprit, who was driving recklessly, who blew a red light, who was drunk, who was fleeing from police, whatever the case may be, they'd never had a license. Not only did they not have one at the time of the crash, they'd never been a licensed driver. We see it over and over and over again. So, and that doesn't necessarily mean everyone who drives without a license is a reckless and dangerous driver, but certainly without the proper education, without a license, they don't have the training and they have nothing to lose. So, uh, you know, when you don't have a license, you don't have to worry about points. You don't have to worry about your license being suspended or revoked. You don't even have one. Uh, so we don't know how many are driving. We do know, though, how Milwaukee County compares to other counties. If you look statewide, the number of driving age teens or teenagers from 15 to 19, the percentage who have licenses statewide is about 50%. In Milwaukee County, it's about 30%. Waukesha County, which neighbors Milwaukee, typically a more affluent county, 70% of driving age teens have licenses. I would bet if you went back a number of years, it would have been even higher than that as we've gotten to an age where there's a lot more, I, I think we're hearing a lot more stories about how uh, teenagers aren't as eager to get a driver's license as they once were. Maybe they just wanna let mom and dad drive them. Maybe they don't care, or maybe they live in a more pedestrian friendly community. Maybe they're concerned about the environment and don't wanna be contributing to that by burning fossil fuels. Whatever the reasons are, there are fewer teenagers getting licenses now than there were in the past. But in Waukesha County, 70% of them have it. In Milwaukee County, right next door, 30% do. And we know that at least some of the 70% who don't are driving illegally. And that is contributing to this reckless driving problem. So I know we were talking about, you know, the driver's ed not being part of the school curriculum being a factor in that. But in the story that you did on this, uh, Milwaukee Public Schools does have a program that teenagers are able to access. And that's what you were talking about in terms of putting more funding toward driver's ed. So can you explain a little bit about how that works and what that program is? Well, uh, yeah, right. As I said, there's been a private system for many years now, and, and that private system is just financially out of reach for a lot of families. And the uh, Milwaukee Recreation Department, which is a, an independent operation, but it is a division of Milwaukee Public Schools, um, they started about four years ago a pilot program called MPS Drive. And it's an after-school program that provides traditional driver's education, classroom courses, and then the behind-the-wheel classes that are all required for a teen driver to get their license. They do it after school, but they do it on a subsidized basis. Uh, most of the funding that they operate uh, from comes from Milwaukee Public Schools' budget. I think their budget is somewhere in the neighborhood of six to $700,000 total, and the vast majority of that comes from MPS. That six or $700,000 is enough to operate classes in maybe eight to 10 different school buildings on an after-school basis. And in good times when we didn't have COVID-19, they could put maybe 25 students in a class. So on a given year, they might be throughout the fall, the spring and the summer, educating as many as 2,000 students, I think, at their peak. 
um, in a given year. And this year, because of COVID-19, that's severely limited. They can only put nine people in a classroom, but they have the same number of instructors, the same amount of funding, the same number of vehicles. So they only are educating this fall. I think it's something like 189 students. That's and a big they'll drop. Do an, that's a huge, now they'll do another couple of hundred in the winter and they'll do some more in the summer. Um, so they, they may end up getting somewhere between six and 800 in this year compared to maybe 2000 last year. That's a big reduction, but even at 2000, that's not every kid who's coming through MPS who's of driving age. The demand for this program, because it is mostly free for these students, they pay $35, which is the cost of your permit. So they essentially have to pay for their permit, the classroom, the, the behind the wheel, it's free. Um, as you can imagine, the demand is high. And the demand is so high that when they open up registration a few times a year for the next round of classes, the spots fill up like that. Within hours, they're gone. It's like trying to get front row tickets at a concert. You don't have much time. Uh, so they, the demand is high and once it's full, if you can't get in, you either have to go the private route or you just don't take driver's ed. And once these students hit the age of 17 and a half, there's no real point in them taking driver's ed if they don't want to, because at 17 and a half, you've got to wait out the six month permit period anyway before you can get a license. And at the age of 18 in the state of Wisconsin, you don't need driver's ed to get a license anymore. You don't need to have the behind the wheel training. You don't need to do any of that. You just go and take your driving test. So as long as you think you can pass that driving test and you study on your own or whatever it is, you're fine. So driver's ed is only a requirement for those who are under the age of 18. So there's this window of time to get students this training. And Milwaukee Public Schools sees about five to 6,000 students come through every year who are of driving age. Um, and then you bring another couple of thousand each year into a new class as sophomores, let's say. Uh, if a couple of thousand are getting that training and there's three or 4,000 more who don't, over time there are tens of thousands who still aren't getting driver's ed. And that's where these safety advocates, people who are part of the task force say, we need to do more as a community to support the ability for people to get the proper education. Hence the push for more funding and then the subsequent um potential cutting of funding. Yeah, and, and they, they, they're calling for an increase in funding in that task force report. We've talked many times, Amanda, about how it's one of many things in that report that are recommended and nowhere in the task force's report do they identify what's a priority. Uh, no one said driver's ed's the priority. And in fact, if you ask some of the people who advocate for an increase in funding, is, is this the priority? They'll say, well, it's not a silver bullet. This isn't gonna solve the problem, Nothing this is. is a piece. Nothing is, and all of these are pieces. So it's easy to say, this was one of a whole long list of recommendations, and right now the money's just not there. Sorry, we can't do it. But this is one that, as I talk to more and more people from, uh, from community groups that have formed like the Coalition for Safe Driving, MKE, which is operated by Celia Jackson, who's a former member of Jim Doyle's cabinet, and a very she's retired, but uh, very active in this area. Just a community member who's seen the problem of reckless driving and stepped up and wanted to be a part of it she keeps going to the issue of driver's ed. If you talk to many of the people on the task force, they point to the need for driver's ed. The current acting police chief in my interview with him said, education is a key to all of this. So this is definitely an area a lot of people have pointed to, even if they didn't identify it as an official priority. It's one a lot of people point to, but if you look at, you always have to say, you know, the, the old journalism adage, follow the money. How much of a priority is it? 
Well, they're not putting any money toward it. And in fact, they're taking money away. So is this considered by city leaders to be a real priority? At least in terms of financing, they don't seem to be showing it. Well, and we should point out that reckless driving is not just a teenage problem, right? We don't want to leave anyone with that impression. There are many adults who contribute to reckless driving, as you've seen Absolutely. when you've done surveillance on that. But I, I think the idea is the more teenagers you get to, hopefully the more you can change their behaviors as they grow into adulthood, right? I, I think, and I think that's it. This is more, uh, I think the, the, the idea of investing in driver's ed and returning it back to something that's more common in, in, in schools is, uh, is a long view. This is, this is the long game. It's not the short-term fix because clearly there are drivers of every age out there right now that are driving, unfortunately, like maniacs. I mean, one of the terms we talked about in the story, something I didn't know before I was reporting on this issue, but is well known apparently to the youth of Milwaukee and, and many people in the city is the term baselining. And I don't know if that's just a Milwaukee thing or if that ex extends outside the city of Milwaukee. But I hadn't heard of it is, before I saw your I'd story. I'd never heard of it before. Baselining is well known in, uh, in the city of Milwaukee, especially among young people. And it's essentially a term that's used to describe uh, what we would probably uh, all just describe as reckless and crazy driving. But it's in many cases, it's driving in those turn lanes, the bike lanes, the shoulder, passing people on the right at intersections, passing very quickly in areas where there's no lane at all. It, it, that is is deemed something uh, that they call baselining. There's local musicians, artists, rappers who are glorifying the act of baselining. They talk about doing that on local streets that young kids here can identify with. And we interviewed someone in the story, a man named Damian Smith, who's with a, a group called Safe and Sound. And he said that that's really where he thinks one of the biggest problems is, is it's not like it's Jay-Z talking about it. It's a local rapper, someone you know, talking about a street you've been down. You can identify with it, you can imagine it, and not only that, you can do it. So he thinks that's having a big influence as well. It's sort of a glorification of the practice. And when you're dealing with people who haven't been given the proper education to begin with, and they're learning about this technique as something that's cool, uh, it, it only adds to sort of the allure and I guess the, how common it is. And then there's the piece that we talked about earlier on, which is when you do that and there's no enforcement or very little enforcement, and that's another element of all of this, is police are, are taxed, they're strapped, and they don't have the, the manpower right now or the ability to go out and just monitor these streets constantly. So the number of tickets being written has dropped dramatically over the years. So all of these things happen in concert and in combination. But but back to your original question of sort of, this this isn't just a teen thing. It's not, and, and even the, the supervisor of MPS Drive said, the, the model for this has to be set at home. You know, it's one thing to put a kid through a driver's ed class, but if uncle and dad and brother and everybody else are driving uh, recklessly, there's only so much you can do in a classroom that's going to uh, convince someone to, to behave well on the road. So this is something that people of all ages in the city are, are doing. And uh, I think the idea is if you can get back to a more substantial driver's ed concept or idea uh, in, in schools or at that age, that over time, the next generation will maybe have a little better uh, sense about themselves when they're on the road. There was a soundbite in your story that jumped out at me, and it was a member of this reckless driving task force basically saying, we need to make sure that driver's license, that it means something again. What did she mean by that? 
The person who was saying that Joy Hammond is an assistant district attorney, she obviously sees a lot of this when she's dealing with juveniles who have run from police or who have uh, carjacked uh, people's cars. Um, so she, she's concerned that so many of them, that they have not only no respect for law, they certainly don't care about the importance of having a driver's license, but she's not the only one. We've heard from others. One of the public members of the task force, Nicole Young-Todd, works a lot with the uh, city's driver license recovery program. And they really point to the fact that over, at the same time driver's ed was going away, the criminal justice system has sort of turned the driver's license into the mechanism for holding people accountable for not paying their fines. So they get a ticket, loitering or whatever it might be, uh, that might be common in, uh, among young people. Maybe it's, you know, who knows what the ticket might be. Maybe it's truancy, I don't know. But they don't pay that ticket. The mechanism for enforcing that non-payment is then a suspension of a driver's license they don't even have. And I think that's something a lot of people don't realize. Your driver's license in Wisconsin can be suspended if you don't even have one. The Department of Transportation assigns you a number and acts as though you have a license and sort of preemptively, preemptively suspends you which means you have a very difficult time getting a license if you even can afford to go to driver's ed. Mm. So you imagine if you're poor, you can't afford to pay the fine for uh, some sort of a ticket that you've received as a young person. Maybe you made some stupid decisions and some mistakes, but now you've got some tickets on your record. You haven't paid them. You're suspended. And there's a lot of young people who say, I'm never going to get a license anyway. Why should I bother paying for classes that are going to lead to something I can't even get? So the over the long haul over the last 20 years this has developed into for many people the belief that the driver's license just doesn't matter because i'm not going to get one anyway and i can drive without one nothing happens to me when i do and that's the other end of it we've shown time and time again that people who are caught driving while suspended are given a ticket and that ticket when it goes unpaid can you know in most cases results in guess what a further suspension of the same license that they don't have or that they don't or they, they aren't paying to fix. So it really isn't a resolution. So what you have is so many young people who then say, again, I'm never going to get my license and there's no real punishment for not having it. So why bother? And so when she says we need to make the driver's license mean something again, there's a lot of people who want to get away from using the driver's license as the mechanism for enforcing non-payment of fines and only use suspensions and revocations to deal with actual dangerous driving. People who are speeding and passing on the right dangerously, blowing red lights, driving drunk, running from police, those are the people that people like Joy Hammond, the assistant district attorney, want to focus on when it comes to revocations and suspensions. And for the others who are just dealing with poverty-related issues, not use the driver's license as sort of that, that mechanism because it actually, in the long run, could backfire. Well, and if it's discouraging people right out of the gate, that's where you kind of lose that meaning. And it's interesting because that's where a, a lot of times in these task force meetings, um, you don't always have the district attorney's camp agreeing with the ACLU, but that's one area where they, they did have some overlapping agreement. And if you, if you recall, we're both thinking of the same meeting. This was right before the pandemic began. It was the last actual meeting of the Reckless Driving Task Force in late February. And there was a pretty heated exchange between Joy Hammond, the ADA, and, and Nicole Young-Todd, the public member of the board. And it had to do with some things sort of related to how to deal with juvenile offenders. 
and whether there should be some more sort of tools in the toolbox for the ADA. For prosecutors, it's tough because they only have so much they can do with juveniles. And if juveniles feel like there's no real teeth in what they're doing to me, then, you know, what's the incentive to, to stop behaving in the way that they were? But the, you're right. This is one area they agreed on, which is we should be focusing on the dangerous driving behavior, not the non-payment of fines. And, and I think there's a lot of people who look at that and, and agree in concept, but almost invariably, and I've watched this for years, when these issues come up in the legislature or as ordinance proposals, both sides will argue their own sort of camps. If, if you talk about, for instance, cracking down on suspended or, or revoked driving, you have the one side saying, but so many of these people are only suspended or revoked for non-payment of fines. And the other side saying, well, some people are getting away with driving terribly time and time again. And the laws that are proposed or regulations never seem to delineate between the dangerous drivers and the ones who are simply poor. And I think that's sometimes the disconnect that gets us nowhere in terms of making any progress with some of these things. But, and I should say us, I mean, just as a community, these things have come up time and time again, and they often just sort of go away and nothing has much has changed. So this is what came up in the Reckless Driving Task Force discussions. And uh, it's still an issue that sits there today. You don't want to do things that simply punish people for being poor, but you don't want to let people get away with repeatedly dangerous behavior. The question is, how do you do both at the same time? What are you looking at next when it comes to this issue? Because reckless driving is a massive topic. It is, and we could talk about so many different things. What I struggle with most in, in doing these stories on reckless driving is there are a lot of avenues to explore, and, and I don't want people to feel like we've talked the issue out because I think each one is its own uh, avenue uh, that, that's worth pursuing. We haven't talked much about the engineering aspect of all of this, Amanda, and I know that you have paid attention to a lot of that, but there's a big part of this is looking at how the city can re-engineer and rebuild streets in ways that are structurally safer so that even the people who want to drive recklessly have a harder time doing so. If you have streets that are narrowed in certain areas rather than big, wide open lanes with, with shoulders that are easy to, to, to uh, you know, pass someone on. Um, curb bump outs that make it harder to pass right at an intersection, which is obviously a, a really dangerous point to be doing things like that. So there's some of that that's in there. But one of the things that we're looking at, too, is just whether or not the city has a plan, because we've got this long list of recommendations of what to do. But the question, you know, task force recommendations are often worth no more than the paper they're written on. They sit on a shelf, <laughs> right. they gather dust. What are you going to do about it? And driver's ed is one of many of the issues. So does the city have a plan? And when I talked to Celia Jackson with the Coalition for Safe Driving MKE, she pointed specifically to one of the other recommendations, which is the introduction of something called Vision Zero. Now, Vision Zero is a plan that started in Sweden. It's sort of a concept. It's an idea of a comprehensive look at reducing traffic fatalities to zero. It's it's almost invariably uh, deemed to be uh, impossible. You're not good, but, but, but part of the idea of Vision Zero is to say, let's start with the premise that it's not impossible, that it is possible to reduce traffic fatalities entirely. Now, how do we go about doing that? But actually laying out a plan. There are a number of cities across the country that have adopted Vision Zero as their formal policy uh, and, and framework for tackling reckless driving. The controversy behind it may well be that to do so, you've got to hire a Vision Zero consultant. 
that costs money. And at a certain point you go, okay, how much of our money is going to go just toward hiring consultants? And I know some are going to, going to balk at that. So that, that's a question that, that may come up down the road. But it was one of the recommendations of the task force is to adopt Vision Zero in Milwaukee. Uh, and that hasn't happened yet. I'd like to take a look at how that's working in other cities. Um, many of the cities that have adopted this are on the coasts. So it's a little harder right now with COVID to get there and explore this firsthand. There are a few in the Midwest. Minneapolis is one of them, but we know Minneapolis is obviously dealing with a lot of other things right now. Um, but I think it'll be interesting to see if, whether it's Vision Zero or something else, does the city of Milwaukee, does Mayor Barrett, whose office is really charged with implementing all of this, have a plan? Uh, and, and if so, what does that look like going forward? I think that's really where this goes next. Well, Brian, we know you're going to stay on that, and I look forward to seeing more of your stories on this because I think it's effective when you take it piece by piece and look at all the different elements that go into reckless driving because it seems like not such an impossible task when you take it and you pare it down the way that you do. And this latest story about um, reckless driving and driver's ed is a great example of that. And unfortunately, the issue is not going to go away. It is not going to go away. And that's why in the meantime, we're going to keep bringing you these twice weekly episodes of Open Record as we cover reckless driving, the COVID-19 pandemic, presidential election, police community relations, so much more. If there's a topic you want us to discuss, an issue you think we should investigate, please send us an email. You can send your emails to fox6investigators at fox.com. That's fox, the number six, investigators at fox.com. And as always, thank you to the people who make this podcast possible, from producer Pete to editor Dave Machuda, Suzanne Barthel, and executive producer Sarah Smith. Please subscribe to Open Record if you haven't already. You can find it wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. I'm Brian Polson, and for Amanda St. Hilaire, we'll be back with our next regularly scheduled episode on Tuesday.